Uh, good morning. My name's Rob. Many of you we've met. Some of us haven't. It's lovely to, to see you this morning. Um, I'm going to talk about two things. I'm going to jump straight in. We're talking about wisdom and we're talking about tech this morning. All will be uh, revealed. So second slide. So uh, like many of you, I'm blessed that I've been around lots of wise people in my life. Um, and as you'd imagine, I've picked up little nuggets of truth and wisdom over time. Some bits of wisdom are just obvious. You know, I don't eat yellow snow. I did, I've never been tempted to eat snow, let alone the yellow kind. I don't need telling that, I just, but apparently some people do. I've just learned that. Well, I say there's some bits of wisdom that are obvious. That's not always true. As a teacher and a parent, like many of you, it's surprising the seemingly obvious things that come out of our mouths. No! Don't pick it back out of the toilet. I've said more than once, at home and at school. Where's your shoe? What do you mean it's in the neighbor's garden? That was said at school, not at home. That is a true story. A kid's shoe ends up in a garden next door. Don't ask how. Other pieces of wisdom, we learn these on the job. Whether someone's told us something or not, we don't learn it until we do it and find out, mm, maybe I should have listened. Turns out I can't jump backwards off a swing. I thought I could, I thought I had this ability, I was in A&E a few hours later with a broken arm, I can't do it. Um, turns out I don't actually need that much caffeine, I know lots of people rely on caffeine, I, I don't and I think that's quite a good thing. I found this out the hard way, I don't drink coffee, so what's the alternative? Red Bull. I had three in a day. Poor Jo, it was like she was stood with someone with ADHD in EE. I was bounce, honestly bouncing off the walls. I've never been that kind of uh, jumpy in my life. Don't need that much caffeine. Next slide. Let's jump into the Bible. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. In my um, New Living Translation Bible, they call this the world's wisdom and God's wisdom. I think it's quite a good tagline. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the, words are, in the world's eyes, or powerful, or wealthy, or high-born, it adds in, when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, world those who are low-born, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Let's unpack it a little bit before I explain the tech side of it. So here's Paul. He's writing to the church in Corinth. This is a multi-ethnic, cosmopolitan city. It's similar to a lot of European cities now. It was a hub for people from different backgrounds. You've got Jews, you've got Romans, you've got Greeks, you've got other Mediterranean people groups. They've all come together to live together. And there in Corinth, you've got this young church surrounded by different ideas, pagan ideas. This secular thinking that at times is the opposite of their own. Paul is writing to address the problems and the questions that the Christians are facing. This chapter, in fact, I mean, the whole of Corinthians, it feels like it's an example of biblical guidance that's still relevant to us 
because we face many of the same problems. We've got our ideas, we step outside the doors, or here's 50 different ideas. And Paul's first point in this is that the eloquence of a message doesn't make it more valuable or doesn't make it right. He starts his letter by actually confronting this issue, this issue that's appeared in Corinth, but it's relevant for us. Many in the church were aware of wisdom that was coming from different parts of the city. But actually, some of them were starting to listen to this alternative wisdom. Why? Well, because the values of the Corinthians, the wisdom was being shared with eloquence. People who were good speakers. It was dressed up as modern. It was relevant. This was valued by people. This is still valued by people. How good a message looks. How good the speaker is. In comparison, the church's simple message of the cross was starting to be labelled as foolish. Next slide, please. So, Joe and I, um, we sat down with the kids uh, on a Saturday night the last few months, and we watched Britain's Got Talent for the first time, um, partly to introduce them to Anton Deck, and partly to show them what Saturday night TV used to be like, before you could just get anything all the time. It was fun, and, and they got really into it. I feel I can spoil Britain's Got Talent now, by the way. If you've not been watching it, you probably don't care. And if you're the sort of person who's recorded it and gone, no, 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 I don't want to know, but you've not watched it yet, it's probably not that important. So, we were big fans of Vigo Venn, the guy in the high-vis. He was a physical comedian. In truth, his acts didn't do much. He took the most simple premise but it was him. He was funny. And like, it wasn't just the kids. I, was, I found him hilarious. And this is a competition where you've got dancers with one leg who are amazing. You've got um, a kid with autism who's a magician, and he was the best one on it. You've got groups that kind of have diverse, all written all over them, and they're very powerful. This is talent, and it's a talent... It's the spotlight should have been on them. And do you know who my kids' two favourite acts were, and mine, were this guy dancing around on a high-vis and a Japanese man who did naked poses. Tony Kaku's amazing as well. Now, I'm sharing this. The world's wisdom, back in Corinth and, and now, it appeared clever. It was intellectual. And Paul emphasises that the real power lies in the simple message of the cross, of Christ. And I'm not saying that the Christ message is like Vigo Venn dancing around, but simple act, done well, it won. It was, it was good, it was different. Actually, in a very different way, the simple message of the cross, it can be simpler, but still be powerful and still be effective. When it comes to sharing wisdom as well, like I said, Paul is someone the early church probably should have been listening to. I gave silly examples, jumping off a swing when I've been told not to. But actually, you're more likely to listen to certain people. If someone had a broken leg and they said these words to me, don't don't jump off the top of the staircase like I did, I'm probably going to listen to them because I'm going to hear in brutal detail how it happened and how they hurt their leg. Paul had been on a journey. He'd gone from the face of a movement that despised Christians and God to traveling the world, speaking about this same God. But not only had he learned lessons the hard way, 
God had then given him a gift for imparting knowledge and wisdom. There's always a chance that he can use us. And that's what Paul's saying to the church. Many in the church, though, they're starting to act like rebellious children. God's like a whinging parent. Don't do that. The young Christians, well, they were having their heads turned by bright lights and snappy headlines. As that one there shows you, that is a real review someone put about Piccadilly Circus. It's not actually a circus. Sometimes human wisdom isn't a better alternative. Now, I like my tech. I'm not going to pretend I'm really into it. After all, I'm not number five in Computing Magazine's top 100 most influential IT leads. If you want to know more, speak to Julian. We've got a top five in, we'll say the world, UK at least. You see, I couldn't make technology my full-time hobby. It's too expensive. But I guess like many of us, and I think all of us, I have a fascination with different types of technology, certain ones that are all relevant to us. My phone is always in my pocket, how, how important it is in everyday life. I've got games consoles, several of them attached to the TV. I can say several decks because the kids play them now, right? Fair? He agrees, that's good. My number one item on my wish list is an air fryer. That probably says more about my stage of life than I'd like to admit, but apparently they make amazing roast potatoes, so I cannot wait to see if we get one. We're in an age where your fridge can connect to the internet, your house lights can turn on and off independently, your front door can lock and unlock independently, and this woman called Alexa can hear you from the other side of the house and bid your commands, but not when you're standing right next to her. Not even joking, Alexa can understand a three-year-old with a biscuit in their mouth going, Alexa, and she goes, playing Baby Shark. But she cannot understand Joe saying, Alexa, stop. Alexa, stop. Sorry for people watching at home if we've caused chaos in your house. Now, I say tech, and straight away I've named electronic devices, haven't I? The modern world is littered with it. We're going electric, we're going internet, we're going to other things of excitement and promise. Next one, please, Tina. So I just picked out two kind of acronyms, uh, VR and AI. These are kind of two of the big ones being thrown around at the minute. Uh, virtual reality, well, this is very exciting because it's allowing people to, to go to places, both real and made up, that they never could have gone to before. Um, we went to Highfields down by the Uni of Nottingham a few years ago. We took the kids. Joe had booked this VR experience. They put this headset on, ears and everything. You are completely kind of shut away in this world. And you sit on a swing. And the idea is, now this, it, this world was not real looking. It was blocky. It was computer games 35 years ago, really kind of blocky. And you were literally just like going, jumping from lorry to lorry, or you were walking through, swinging through a jungle. And obviously, the more you swung, the further your person went in the VR. It didn't look real, the sounds weren't very real, and I tell you what, I was transported to this place. And it made me laugh watching Danny on it, little Danny going, this is awesome! And he's going like this fast on the swing. And I'm there going, I wonder what happens if you go really high. Well, the rush was amazing. And this wasn't even that realistic. 
And obviously, I'm not just talking about gaming advances. The possibilities of it allowing people who can't travel to go to places. Imagine you plug VR to a video call. You can be somewhere with a loved one on the other side of the world doing something together. It's exciting. The tech's expensive. It's still in development. But again, like I said, it promises something really exciting. But there are obvious pitfalls. They've already started to appear. People could exploit these interactions. I'm going to call it now. There's going to be a tagline when VR gets big saying, live out your dreams. I'm going to call it now. The question is, are our dreams really that wholesome or good for us? You see, if we go in scripture, we can go right from the start. It shows that technology and tools can be used for both good and evil. Now, again, like I said, technology, we assume digital, we assume computer, but advancements in technology have happened since the start of time. Shovels, hammers, nails, these were technical innovations. And to the early human race, these tools given to them allowed them to improve life, to build better, to build stronger. They could cultivate the ground. They could construct structures to live in. But these tools were also used for sinful purposes. You go to Genesis 11. The people of Babylonia, they invent the brick. Here we go. Houses are going to be more stable. What do they do? They decide to build a great city with a big tower. Why? Well, it says, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so we can make a name for ourselves. Guys, we're 11 chapters into the Bible. How are we already doing this? Because it's all about me. My name, respect my authority. The root of sin was humans' desire to be in control, to be the author of their own lives, to gain the glory for ourselves. You go further back, Genesis 4. You've got Cain and Abel. God has created these two with specific talents and skills. He gave them tools that allowed them to fulfill these. Cain takes that tool sins and kills take a sword a sword can create can be created to protect it can be created to cause destruction the sword isn't sinful in either circumstance it's how people choose to use it so when i look at vr the same questions are asked aren't they how people could use it for sinful damaging lustful Attempt to, to, fill, to fulfill the desires of a sinful heart. How, they, how it could also be used to amazing effects for people that can't move. People who are stuck indoors, maybe. When thinking about tools and technology that we use in everyday life, the question I ask myself and I ask you is, do we use them to glorify God? Or do we use them to appease our own needs and wants? I'm not suggesting that you go and bless your microwave before using it. But it's the questions there. And also, I'll add in Romans 3, 23 to 24. It kind of felt right when I was sitting there thinking, oh, condemned. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. I take the tools and the skills that God has given me the ability to use, and I use them wrongly. And God's grace is lavished on me. I want to learn to use the powers, the abilities, and the wisdom God's given me for him. And I know he'll give me ability to, 
to use more. And that's my prayer for all of us. Next one, please, Tina. So the other one, AI, I talked about. Um, when I say AI, I don't mean the movie with Robin Williams from 2001. I'm talking about artificial intelligence. Um, and when you read about AI, this is like the great big buzzword in the world at the minute, not just the tech world. It, there's some grand sweeping statements that are being made all over about the promises of what it can do. And it stands for the capability of a machine to imitate intelligent human behavior. As I said, this is not just for people that work with computers. Engineers, they're excited. Teachers are excited. I don't know if any of you teachers, I mean, the buzz in the staff room when we found out that Twinkle, so this is this online website for worksheets really, created an AI report writer. You put in the kids, you put in the information, like where they're working at, out comes a report. And if your end of year reports are all very wordy, I think probably the teachers used AI. I don't think I will. I think it's too wordy for some of my parents. I say that lovingly. So to simplify, I read this article, lots of big statements, what AI will do, and it was chucking out loads of information. So what I've done is I thought, right, I'm going to put it into three sections because they're, they're kind of going to three ways. They're going for creation, connection, and rules. And these subheadings work really well for me, so we're going to go with it, shall we? Next one, please, Tina. So creation. AI is always learning. That's what scientists are saying to us. In essence, AI, you feed it. It tries things and it learns from its mistakes in order to improve. Hey, that sounds like humanity. It seeks patterns and logical steps to understand something. Hey, that sounds like humans. It creates, this is a real tagline I read, it creates and generates new ideas and ways to solve problems. Create, the idea to make something new. You see, AI needs information inputting, and then the more it learns, it will then have new suggestions for whatever you want, things that you hadn't thought about. I wouldn't say it creates, though. You see, humans, I mean, we're not that creative either, as I've shown with the image there. They recently announced Toy Story 5. I love Toy Story. Don't get me wrong, I'm not upset, but you could argue that Hollywood doesn't have any creativity either. And I'm sure some of you who've been watching movies for longer than I have will tell me that there's no new story. It's the same one recycled, like a lot of things. AI cannot create something new. Humans are not actually creators either, but we're designed at least. Our design is based on one. God is the creator. His creation is deemed good. I don't mean all right. I don't mean acceptable. I mean, the Bible says when it's good, it's exactly as God intended. He created humans in his image. We're set apart from the rest of creation. And that includes all the crude technology that we invent. Crude technology. Who'd have thought these exciting things like AI? Well, this is still crude in comparison to God's creation. Stephen Hawking the famed scientist, he turns into Stephen King when talking about, about AI. The fear that it's going to learn too much, take over the world, humans are going to be, that's it, our day is done. It sounds like a Hollywood script. So what do scientists do? Well, that's the second point. Next one, please, Tina. They put in rules. Another concern about AI is that, will it follow the rules? And actually, not just for the companies using it, but for us. There's worries about privacy. 
Companies are using AI and our data to tailor our experience, make our products unique to us. Take Netflix or any streaming service. We use it. Apparently, there are 6,500 shows and movies on the UK Netflix. Sounds impressive, doesn't it? Why am I given the same 15 in every category? When I go on to Rob on Netflix, I've got, this, I've got 15. I go down, I've got the same 15 in a different order. I've got some of the weirdest little subheadings you'll ever see, but it's the same ones. I was like, That's, they're lying. Go on to Joe's. Oh no, she's got a different 15 that I don't want to watch, but they're a different 15. Advertising. You go online now. They want your cookies. I'm not doing the cookie monster. We're talking about they want what are you buying? What are you interested in? So they can chuck the same things at you. Here's something similar. Alexa, I'm going to just cause some more chaos for those at home. You can say, play me something, and she'll play a playlist specially made for you. I don't know if you've got an Alexa, whether yours is as confused as ours is, because she doesn't know whether to play worship music, Enya, pop punk, or the poo poo song. I'll let you guess which one my choice was. AI helps to constantly monitor and collect data from us. Companies say that they've put rules in place, by the way. They'll tell you they won't do certain things. That people have found out, hmm, it's not always true. This is quite a funny interaction I saw. It's not me. Someone else was uh, using a, a Snapchat AI thing where you can chat to the AI, and they said, oh, do you know my location? The, snap, the AI I was like, no, 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 I'm not allowed to have your location data. They said, are you sure? Are you promising? They went, no, no, I'm not allowed your location data. So he said, um, do you know where the nearest McDonald's is? He went, great, there's one one mile away from where you are. As Paul looked to the church in Corinth, he saw the people being swayed by clever words and big ideas. Not dissimilar to coding for AI. So verse 27, if we repeat, it says, Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. The simple message of the cross may seem too simple, because at its heart it is, God rules. His rules are absolute. His rules are for our benefit. He's always watching you, but not to try and exploit or profit. He cares about you deeply. He knows you better than any algorithm, and he certainly knows what's best for you. For those at home, it sounds like a giant pigeon is on the roof. I don't know what it is. I don't think it is a giant pigeon. I hope not anyway. Finally, connection. Next one, please, Tina. So connection. In 2001, October, Mark Zuckerberg announced the metaverse. This is the guided Facebook. This was the next evolution in social connection. That was his tagline. Excitement has built the last two years. For those who've seen Ready Player One, there's a lot of excitement about what it could offer. You can live a different life in an alternate reality. Apps have started to gear towards virtual friends. These are probably exactly what you think they are. Somewhat a computer that's not real, but you can engage with and have a conversation with. And as we said about all technology, there are some dubious versions arriving already. Virtual AI partners that you could be emotionally intimate with and others. I'm just going to read something from Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do 
but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. We're called to physical connections with people, to meet with others in this setting, to build us up and it does us good. Now, there's nothing wrong with the promise of FaceTime, with virtuality, if we can meet with others who we can't see now, we can't be with. We've got friends from our church who've traveled to different parts of the world. To be with them is amazing. But if someone's feeling lonely, the option the world offers of virtual friends isn't the only one, as clever as it sounds. My encouragement, start with God, who made you and loves you. Read your Bible, pray, sing songs, that's simple. But then, come to church. Join a hub. Meet with people at our after-church events. We do a walk or a picnic once a month. Come to a church family picnic. It's for everyone. Come to a men's or women's events. As the band come back, let us end with something that's definitely good for us. After all these things that could be good but could go wrong. The verses we read this morning end with this. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast... Boast only about the Lord. And that's referencing Jeremiah 9 in the Old Testament. So next one, please, Tina. Let's just read that. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord, who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. And that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now, I don't know if it comes across. I'm quite excited about the way technology is advancing and what it could offer. How is my teaching job going to look in 10 years' time? How good are those roast potatoes going to taste in that air fryer? Hopefully that's not 10 years down the line. But I love the word of these verses. They remind us that the world will always have its own wisdom. It will dress it up in fancy wording, clever explanations. It will be modern. It will be relevant. By comparison, the message of the cross that we have will remain simple and consistent. And it's this consistent truth that's our bedrock. It's the foundation of our life. We can boast in the message of Jesus and the cross. His grace is lavished on me and you when I get it wrong no matter how many times I shout, Alexa, volume to three, and she doesn't listen. At least God does. We're going to worship. Let's do it.